0: Toyota. NYSE SIPC. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It is Thursday, July 13th. And as promised, I thought I would give you a little update on the inflation situation. Yesterday morning, the government released the June Consumer Price Index. Hey, good news, gang. As we are really hoping, Prices are finally coming down in a more substantial way. CPI rose by 3% from a year ago. And to put that in context, the year-over-year rate in May was 4%. Now we're at 3%. A year ago in June of 2022 was 9.1%. So this is huge, huge progress. We also saw the core rate. That's the rate that strips out food and energy. And that rate also made a lot of progress. It was up 4.8% from a year ago, a half a percentage point lower than it was the previous month. So prices are still a little bit all over the place. I get it. And we can cherry pick eggs or what have you. But I think in general, the big takeaway here is inflation is coming down. It's probably not going to prevent the Federal Reserve from raising interest rates when they meet later this month. They're going to probably go by a quarter of a percentage point. But I think the trend is really good. The one area that I'm going to really keep my eye on to see this rate come down more substantially is this shelter index, more up-to-date information from places like Redfin or Apartment.com. That's showing that new rentals are slowing down in terms of pricing. In fact, rental growth has cooled for 11 straight months. That's according to Redfin. So we're hoping that the data that is used by the government starts to match this I think probably more accurate data that we're seeing from a lot of these companies, but we'll have to kind of keep an eye on it. All that being said, inflation coming down is good news for all of us. And uh, it means that you can clear the pathway of all of your worry about higher costs and maybe focus on the things that you can control, like your financial life. If you've got a financial question, all you need to do is go to our website, jillonmoney.com and click the contact us button. Okay, let's do some emails. Now, my friend Martine says she thinks she really likes the episodes where we talk to people and she much prefers that to the emails. I understand that. Uh, I like talking to people also, but I also want to make sure that we are letting people air their questions without forcing them to come on the line with us. And I get that. So every so often, maybe like more like once a week instead of twice a week, we must do email episodes just because it's the right thing to do. I think everyone would agree. Uh, and since this is the first time that I'm talking to Mark since his uh, vacation. So Mark, how did you like uh, your Canadian adventure? Enjoyed it very much. Ottawa was a nice little city, tiny, 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 but uh, very nice, very pretty, very pretty. And how is the whole family traveling together? (laughs) Uh, You know, traveling with Theo is no big deal anymore. This time we took uh, Amanda's parents with us, so I kind of felt like I was traveling with three kids instead of one. Oh, dear. Luckily, they're not listening to this and hearing you say that. They need a lot of supervision. Mm. But uh, we managed. Our, Our luggage got lost coming home. Oh, you're kidding. So, where'd it go? Uh, it never left we We could not get a direct flight home, so we had to fly through Montreal. We arrived in New York on I think a Friday, and our luggage showed up in New York on Sunday. Oh my God, thank God it was that way, not the other way exactly, yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't a big big deal. Gosh, all right, well, I had a successful visit. My mother came out to visit us, and uh that was great. And uh, I got her a little bridge game while she was visiting us. And that was kind of fabulous. And of course, you know, she's we're, we're talking to the guy who organizes the game. And uh, my mother's like downplaying her abilities. And she goes, oh, I really love playing Mahjong and Kanes. And he's like pulling us aside and saying she knows how to play bridge, right? I'm like, oh, yeah, she's been playing bridge her whole life. Meanwhile, they do like a low level betting. Who was the big winner of the day? I think that was Sweet Sue. She's a hustler. She's a total hustler. So anyway, I hope everyone had great 4th of July uh, celebrations, Independence Day. And if you worked, I was actually in the city most of it. It was fire hot. And uh, hope that uh, you're dried out if you had a lot of rain. I hope that you are relaxed and ready to kind of settle into July. So let's do some emails here. This is from Allison. The subject is, should I keep the pension or withdraw the funds? Hi, Jill and Mark. I love the show. I listen to every episode. Thank you for providing such valuable content. My question is about an old retirement account. I have about $16,000 in a state retirement fund. It's only earning about 2% interest. Should I leave the money in this account and draw the $328 a month when I reach age 65, or should I withdraw the funds and reinvest in my own brokerage account? I'm currently 32 years old. It is unlikely that I would add any more years of service or contributions to this pension. However, I am working in another state now, and I'm working towards another pension. Thanks for your advice. Well, I think that you kind of gave us the information we needed in that you are 32 years old. There's only 16 grand in here. I'm I'm inclined to say, let's roll it over into an IRA rollover account. Don't just take it out because I think if you take it out, you're going to get taxed on it, Allison. So let's make sure that you roll it over, no tax event, and go ahead and invest it. And I think that that would be just fine. Okay. This is from Cynthia. Cynthia who writes, I have an elderly aunt. She's 92 years old. She's got no will. Oh, brother, here we go. She's caught in a drama triangle with my cousin, who is unfortunately an addict. I have tried to no avail to get her to draft a will. I have also talked to her about a trust, maybe drafting a spendthrift trust for my cousin. I'm very concerned. She has my grandparents' home, that one that my grandfather built. What advice can you give? Oh dear, Mark, I don't know what to do with this. I mean, you're trying to get someone to help her help herself and protect her assets. Um, I wonder what is it that she's resistant about? Because maybe the way to approach it, Cynthia, is to say, you know, I know that you want this money to go to cousin whoever. Uh, I know that that's important to you. Let's make sure that we do this in a way that that the cousin won't blow through the whole thing. If you can't do it yourself, is there someone else she really trusts in her life? Is there, um, like, who does her taxes? Maybe a CPA could help. Um, maybe a friend who is a lawyer can help. At the end of the day, if she does nothing, then the state in which she resides and then dies will determine where her money goes. And if it's her son who is the only one who would receive money, this poor guy who's, or I don't know, you didn't say a girl or a guy, the spendthrift cousin, uh, unfortunately, if that's the only heir, that's probably who's going to get all the money. But there's not a lot to do if she is unwilling to make this decision And it's so funny because it's really about protecting her money and making sure that the cousin gets it in a way that's going to be okay. But wow, that's a bummer of a question. Oh boy, here we go. Timeshare exit question. Mark, you know, my mother-in-law used to say about timeshares. They're for suckers. Timeshares are for suckers. That's what she said. Fabulous. All right. Karen says, hi, Jill. My husband and I are big fans of yours. We enjoy listening to you Uh, sharing your abundance of knowledge in clear, concise, and easy-to-follow language. Okay, here's the question. Karen owns a timeshare. She says, we regret buying it. However, after much research, I am unable to surface a legitimate law firm or advisor to help us exit. We would greatly appreciate any and all recommendations. Thank you, Karen. Oh, these timeshares, like, I don't understand how they're so hard to get out of. So you, there's no way to sell it back. You know, Is there's probably, you've already investigated, like trying to sell it on a secondary market. Is there someone in your family where they would take it on? Is there, I don't know, like these are the, they're just confounding. Sometimes you can donate them to uh, a charity. Like here's my two weeks. I think you just sell it on a resale market, but you know, you're going to take a big hit. So that's kind of, it. If you just stop paying, the thing that's really rough is that you then essentially have um, some sort of like legal ding on your record. So I don't know, the developer, but I would sell it. I think that's what I would do. I wouldn't care what it costs to get out. I would literally give it away and you can gift it to somebody maybe, but that's about it. (sighs) This is stinko. Don't buy timeshares, gang. Don't, get, don't buy stuff that you can't get out of. That's really the most important thing. This person has a very um, distinctive name, so I'm not going to say it. I'm going to say F, whose subject is how to invest my cash. My husband and I are both 62 years old. We are currently contributing the maximum to our 401ks. We both work. We earn a total of $210,000, and we also own rental properties and make about $40,000 a year net I was able to contribute to a Roth IRA through a backdoor over the past two years. We've got $1.1 million in a 401k, $80,000 in a Roth IRA, $10,000 in I-bonds, $11,000 in brokerage. We also have $250,000 in an annuity and wait for it, $520,000 in cash. Wow. Wow. The rental properties are worth about $1.2 million. House is worth $350,000. Everything's paid off. No debt. Children are all launched. What do we do with the cash that's sitting in our bank account earning 4% for the next few months? Well, 4% is pretty good, right? Well, I mean, are you, are you committed to getting this money invested? That's number one. And I would ask that question to you about, you know, just knowing yourself because if you've got that money in cash, it it would seem to me that maybe you're risk averse. And if that's the case, I'd want to know that. Um, so a couple of other things to think about. You're 62. I don't know how much longer you're going to work. Let's presume you're going to work for five more years. And in that case, um, maybe we could potentially put some of the money to work, but maybe we also keep some money in cash for you, or at least lock it into a CD ladder so that you feel comfortable trying to manage the next five years or so. I I say that because when someone has a half a million dollars in cash with your net worth, I just don't think it happens by accident. I just wonder, did some event occur or, or again, are you so risk averse that you would really be uncomfortable having this? Presuming you're going to have $40,000 of your rental income, and then you'll both collect Social Security. I'm assuming based on the amount of money you earn and what's going on, I'm I'm assuming that perhaps you would uh, be fine with two Social Security checks and that rental income. Then the next question is that should you keep some of the money in cash anyway so that over the next, when you retire and you have that 401k, which I assume is pre-tax, that we start to convert some of it? That's another question that I would have for you. Otherwise. What's important to do is to create a plan to dollar cost average to get back into the market. So you would take some money, maybe it's, um, go slow. Let's say it's, um, I don't know, 30 grand a month. And you start to say every month, I'm going to put 30 grand of my cash into my brokerage account. There'll be some stocks, an index fund, international index fund, some bond funds, and you just do a little bit every month. And if you can commit to that, I think that will get you where you want to go. You'll be fully invested. But we would like to know a little bit more about what your plans are for your own retirement. And so, okay, that's it. That is the program. And I uh, hope that you uh, enjoyed that. And I hope I read it with great emphasis so that you are excited about all of the things going on in everyone's lives. And if you do have a question, do not hesitate. Go to our website, jillonmoney.com. Click the contact us button. Let us know if you would be willing to come on the air live with us. And don't forget, you can buy my book, The Great Money Reset, and you can subscribe to Jill on Money Live. That's where you have access to quarterly live webinars and lots of great special bonus content. All right. Leave us a rating and review if you wouldn't mind. Just do that wherever you listen to us. And try to lift someone up today. Change your work, change your wealth, change your life. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Do you know a high schooler who is a natural leader and loves to give back to their community? The Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's Student Visionaries of the Year program might be the perfect opportunity forming strong teams to support them. Student Visionaries of the Year candidates fundraise for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. This seven-week philanthropic leadership development program helps students gain valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship. Not to mention, it looks great on college applications. But most importantly, it's a chance for students to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on the lives of blood cancer patients and their families. Learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or nominate a student at lls.org students. Tax and delivery may be required. See store for details.